Welcome, everyone. It's Flyover Footy, and we're coming to you live from a fancy studio, our iHeartRadio, thanks to Jake over here. Uh, Jake, thanks for letting us hang out yeah, here. Throw, throw the plug. Thank you for throwing in the plug. Yeah. <laughs> Z1077. I mean, I don't know if they know that we're here right now. We're just kind of in here doing it. Yeah. I, I wondered if it was going to be a problem if I outed you. Am I outing you right now? It's fine. It's, it's fine. Like when all the iHeartRadio execs listen to this podcast, <laughs> we're going to be in trouble. It just has to come under the iHeartRadio network, so maybe we'll have a conversation off off air. After yeah. the episode, we'll, we'll Well, they can we'll talk, talk to my agent. Just, you know what I mean? I mean? We're not saying they're a sponsor yet. <laughs> they're not not our sponsor. <laughs> Matt, how's it going, man? Always thank those who uh, let us use some nice studios. Yeah. Things are going great. Yeah. I mean, it really, it truly is awesome to be in a real radio studio. It's like silent if you guys, if we don't talk, like it's silent in here and there's no echo. Um, between me and Jake, we're starting to improve our gear, but it's not going to sound as good as this for sure. We, well, we brought me in, we try to make it sound a little better and every episode has sounded different because we were in person yeah. and then we did two virtual episodes. Uh-huh. So it's just been this kind of inconsistent. We'll, we'll get there. We said we'll, we'll get there. We're figuring it out. We'll yeah. learn as we go. Absolutely. The, the, the small amount of background noise is kind of eerie given the, the usual places and, <laughs> and the background noises and the clinks and clattering of the, the drinks and stuff. So. Yeah. This is. I'm not saying it's eerie, but it's it's different. <laughs> we can still clink some drinks. Yeah, we still could. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though we have to do it in a special way, which which is totally fine with me. Um, Everyone's got safety lids, safety cups. <laughs> can't break anything here if we're gonna illegally uh, pirate make these things. We uh, want to come back. <laughs> we want to. We want them to let us come back. Um. So you guys did your first show without me last week, and I thought it went really well. Jake, thanks oh, for taking thank the you. reins, man. Yeah. Uh, it was cool. You guys talked about a lot of good stuff. I, there was a lot of stuff you talked about that I hadn't. I didn't even know about. I learned a lot actually <laughs> from Flyover Footy. Um, I thought that was super cool. I think some of the stuff was like the, um, the a lot of the like the Duke stuff that happened between Duke and UCLA. I had no idea about that, and it was cool to hear about the stadium tour. And you guys talked a lot about like players and stuff, like homegrown signings and what can come through. And I think we'll maybe touch on some of that today. Well, I think at the very least, everybody needs to be aware of just how trash Duke is. <laughs> if, you, if you walk away for, with nothing else from hey. last week or last episode. I mean, they, they pro- we'll talk about it when we talk about the Slukin, but they proved it. They just continued. They gave us another video. They, they, it's they not just, just a one-off. It's just Duke being Duke. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's become their thing now. It, so it was nice for me to know that this is a continuation of Duke being Duke, uh, but let's talk about it. It's a good segue. Like, I, I got to take it. Slu versus Duke on Saturday night. Uh, Slu won 4-3. to three. Wild, wild game. Just really insane. But I didn't watch a lot of SLU this year. I don't think I knew how freaking good SLU is. Like, they looked really good against Duke. I thought it was super impressive. Jake, let's start with you, though. Like, what did mm-hmm. you take from that game? I mean, one, there weren't a lot of Duke fans there. Because <laughs> maybe they're fed up with Duke and how they play. I don't know. Right. Like you guys mentioned, we set records over at SLU. Yeah. Um, the last time we had that many people there, I think the coach, Kevin Kalish, was playing the game or something like that. That was a cool little thing from uh That, that was awesome. Hockman. Last time we were this far, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Fantastic game. Just, I mean, all the, go- all the goals were great. And uh, I'm like, okay, we were talking about this studio, and now I'm like, my mic is sinking down, and I'm like arched <laughs> over. So this is a bad time to pass it over to me. Um, the, the game was fantastic. You love to see those games too. Where it's exciting. It's kind of back and forth. They took a couple goal lead, and you think, oh, we're running with it. Mm-hmm. Duke comes back, get the goal at the end, 
get the fight at the end. Um, and like you said, Duke just plays a really exciting and or not Duke. They play a terrible style of soccer where they punch people in the face. Uh, Slew plays a like a great style of of soccer that you just don't always see in lower leagues or, or in college. college. General, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an exciting team to watch, and I haven't been watching them all season either. Mm-hmm. I feel like a poser. That's like the theme of me on this podcast is how much of a poser I am. But <laughs> well, I so I think it was uh, one of the post dispatch guys was touting how the coverage on the site was getting all the, the, the hits and the views and everything. And they had like slew coverage was all over the place. Um, everybody was watching, everybody's paying attention. And I think it was uh, Stewie and I were talking that everybody loves soccer teams when they win. Everybody loves a winning product. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I'm, that's where I'm at too. I didn't pay attention detail by detail, blow by blow, game by game throughout this year. But as you started to see slew kind of climbing the ranks and continuing that unbeaten streak, you pay attention a little bit. And mm-hmm. so I'm now familiar with guys like Klein and Betcher. And so I'm like, yeah. seeing them score goals again was great. And so I'm okay. These are, these guys are legit. You know, where are they going to go from here? You start to become familiar yeah. with them at least now. Um, and I hope they go a few more games at least. But the one thing I saw you guys talking about in our little chat there was like the most hit articles. You kind of said this, but like it was like three of the top five articles on STL today. Was on, it on the site? Yeah. The entire site. Yeah. Might have been the sports section, but it, like of. I did wonder that. Yeah. yeah. But still, I mean, that's really incredible. It's not something you expect to see. No, not for not for college soccer. And I mean, SLU has the storied history, but. You know, they haven't been a powerhouse as of late. I mean, they, they've been good, and they've obviously trending well since Kalish has come on, but mm-hmm. um, it, it's nice to see almost recognition, I'd say, from the area for what they're doing. Yeah, I, I think we can all agree, and I saw it on several places on Twitter, like, yeah, there's massive disappointment that STLFC never got quite that much attention from St. Louis fans. Not, I mean, STL Today did the articles, you know what I mean? But... Um, you didn't get that from STLFC fans. And, you know, it, it just, uh, this whole, like, watching this game versus Duke, I did feel bad that I haven't been following SLU because I watched that game and I was like, my God, like, the style of play is, in in college you don't see a lot of it. And maybe it's getting better, but, like, I, they were, their run, their movement off the ball was insane. There was always someone to pass to. They were trying their best to do one and two touch passing in their own half to break uh, the press. Or once they got around the box, they were trying to do these the flick-ons. There were a massive amount of flick-ons that were fun to watch. And I just like, at times, yeah, they'd go direct. They'd kick it long. But for the most part, they were trying to press the hell out of the other team. And then they were moving on and off the ball just so well. And then once the counterattack became a thing, that they were so clinical at that, especially those two strikers up top. And it, it didn't necessarily matter which ones, though I think, you know, Klein and... Um, Betcher, right? Those two were definitely the best. But um, I just, so to put that together with last time I saw SLU, they were playing practical college soccer. They weren't quite up to that level. They were trying to possess the ball, but this was last year and it wasn't nearly as exciting as what they did to Duke the other night. And so I do feel bad that I haven't been covering them, but I'm, I'm calling this game for me personally. And I'm sorry it took this long to SLU fans, to the SLU team, uh, to the coach. But this is a revelation for me that SLU is a presence and they're playing cool, cool soccer. And maybe even slightly revolutionary in um, in college right now. I don't know. I don't know college well enough, but I don't know. I, I feel like they've really 
put their stamp on everything. Would you? I don't know what you think. I think with an undefeated season, you've put your stamp on a lot. Um, I don't think SLU's getting the recognition that they deserve. Maybe they are now, but at least at the start of the tournament, they weren't. The 10 seed, undefeated team. How, that, how absurd is that? It drove me crazy, too. I think the uh, last couple games have shown that SLU belongs uh, if, if they can take down Washington, who I'm hearing is one of the best teams in the country, uh, two seed in our, mm-hmm. in our uh, region. I think that will further cement. And it, it's, all, it's all about you know, just growing it going forward and just gaining that credibility and respect. And they've done it. They don't have to prove themselves to anybody, but it's all about just saying, hey, we're here. We're that storied program, mm-hmm. and we're back. Well, and that's why Indiana's in it, right? I mean, they didn't qualify, but I guess there's some kind of, I don't know how it works, but I guess there's a voting system that got them into the game, into the tournament. So, I don't know. You guys mentioned it last week. It would have been cool if they had won because then we would be playing in St. Louis against Indiana. It would have been awesome. That would be ideal. But this is still cool. For a lot of storylines. And that's another, that's another thing, too, is we talked about the, the media recognition and all the different talk and, and getting a lot of fans like us who don't, or not us, but like we haven't given SLU the respect they deserve. Mm-hmm. We are trying now where this is something that should be talked about by as many soccer outlets as possible. Um, and I think the storyline that the Post-Dispatch had and that seems to be permeating and rising to the top is Kevin Kalish. Mm-hmm. Uh, going from player... At uh at at the the pinnacle of the college cup to now bringing SLU back and coaching them leading them right back to where he was as a player that's a pretty cool storyline yeah and I mean, he's drawing in players I think that's a big part of it as well is like if a if a St Louis Scott Gallagher player isn't going to um, Indiana they're going to SLU for the most part you know other than Jansen went over to Xavier almost everyone's going to one of the two and I think. It was cool to see Palazzano um, playing in the midfield, a very veteran presence for SLU, transferred from Indiana because of the COVID thing that happened. Like, he played in that final with Mayer um, last year, so, um, at Indiana. And ultimately, that's what you want to do as a college program. You want to retain local talent. Yeah. We know the hotbed St. Louis is. We've talked about it ad nauseum. Uh, There are a lot of different layers to uh, development of of soccer talent in St. Louis. There's now... City Academy, there's Gallagher, there are colleges who recruit, like Indiana has their pipeline here, mm-hmm. and so they have their in. But ultimately, SLU needs to cement themselves as, if you're going to college, and you're from St. Louis, and you're the best, you're coming to SLU. That mm-hmm. just needs to be the no-brainer, and this is doing worlds to further that. Yeah, I found it interesting, too, like to see that pressing style being utilized. It wasn't their only go-to, right? They used several different um, ways to break down Duke um, in that game. It, the, the game was all over the place in so many different ways, but this is one. The tactical changes were insane. Um, but one of the things they utilized and I thought they were the best at was the pressing. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, we're going to get uh, SLU. I'm already saying we, but SLU is going to get the the city kids that didn't make the MLS team. You know what I mean? They're going to get out of that academy. They're going to go to SLU. You mentioned this last week, I think, mm-hmm. uh, Jake. And yeah, like that's going to improve that program even more. The pipeline's going to get better and better. And just to go back to what my main point wanted to be is they'll get those rankings if they keep this up every year. And it feels very sustainable right now because they're not even like, I don't even feel like they're clicking at 100% yet as far as like that pipeline getting going. So what do you think, Jake? When you get the success, like it's just going to grow. And this is like the catalyst for, this is already a big a big catalyst and a big push, but you're just going to, you see this in college sports a lot, the waves of this team's good for a while. I think I mentioned, might've been off air, like my first podcast, but I went to Wichita state and I was there 
um, not a huge school, but we made the final four. And then after the year after that, we went undefeated and we're like the number one seed in the basketball tournament, not soccer, mm-hmm. basketball. Um, and so this is just going to kickstart more and, like you said, bring more kids in from the academies who, uh, yeah, it's going to be, might be nice to stay home, especially if you're playing in such a good program with uh, the the support, like everyone you see coming out breaking records at the at the stadium and everything. And uh, it's, it's probably going to hurt Indiana a little bit uh, with their with their recruitment. Um because they're going further than Indiana, obviously, in this tournament. So it's only going to help expand and just continue to... We're going to keep getting these big stories. It's going to keep happening. We're going to keep getting these big stories, which I know there's kind of like this, oh, yeah, of course people want these big stories. Of course people love reading about soccer, and like, why aren't you talking about it more? I think it's it's the reality of the the ramp up to MLS. More people are going to catch on. More people are getting excited. And you're gonna we're gonna keep getting these like new fans in. I mean, we we're all saying like we're kind of new fans to slew, and we're gonna see that more with next year. There's gonna be people who don't know about the LDL team when that's going, but halfway through the season, maybe they do well. They're like, wait, they're gonna randomly think that our MLS team is playing, but it's the LDL team. It's just gonna be this progression of we're, we're gonna keep hitting these like not not speed bumps or anything, but little jolts of people shaking things up as the excitement builds and ramps up to MLS. Absolutely. And, and I'm almost like envisioning this like powerhouse of St. Louis soccer, and it's not going to be just city. I mean, Lutz is clearly <clears throat> open to talking to everyone. We know Kalish and Lutz have talked, you know, to what degree I don't know yet. Maybe we'll find out if we can talk to, to Kalish. Well, it gets to what we're going to talk about in a little bit with the uh, MLS next fest and the, the ECNL tournament showcase. I mean, those are designed. So scouts and colleges and with cities academy you know that some of those teams are not going to go to the ldl level they're not going to go to the mls level Mm -hmm. and so that relationship the coaching the coaches the working with the community kalish is a part of that and they they've seemingly been supportive and so that uh that relationship and that synergy that happens where the kids get an opportunity whether it's with city or SLU, is going to happen and so we're going to know some of those names who go to SLU just because of that and it's mutually beneficial. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like, sure, some of the, I don't want to call them, this is just t- for ease of mind because I have the word rejects in my head. Like the the academy rejects. Let's, I'm sorry. That's mean. It is what it is. But they don't make it into the pros, but they go to SLU. Um, every college kid dreams of the super draft. Like every college parent of a soccer player, they're like, we're just praying for that super draft, praying for MLS. Everyone triple, quadruples down in college to get to MLS. I mean, who knows what they can do to improve in college, but once they go through SLU, there's a chance they've improved so much that they do make MLS and that maybe they do want to go straight to city, maybe homegrown or whatever. Maybe they're going to be able to sign them before the super draft for some reason. You know, who knows how it's going to work, but, you know, it's mutually beneficial. I think I could see um, SLU becoming such a powerhouse that we're even drawing from um, other parts of the country to SLU and then sending them on to city. Who knows? Well, one of the things with college sports too, whether it's football, basketball, soccer, or what, is you have a new head coach, and the head coach is responsible for recruiting. And so you usually see a period of a few years before a head coach has his guys, and he's gotten his guys recruited, and then they're trained up in the program. They become sophomores, juniors, seniors, and you have your core. Well, Kalish is in year, I think, three, three or four. Counting COVID, three. Yeah, so... 
so the, you're right in that sweet spot, mm-hmm. and you're seeing what SLU's doing. Yeah. So already that is uh, that's marketing for the recruiting right there. Just the performance that Kalish is able to get out of his guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to be a part of that if you're a kid looking at look at your college uh, choices. Yeah, and and just real quick, like the powerhouse I'm mentioning between SLU and City, like I, feel, I view that as a fan thing. You know, like you mm-hmm. guys have touched on it, but like if we're gonna pull this much for SLU being successful. You know, I think between the two soccer systems, there's going to be some good years. And even if one has a down year, we're going to have like soccer getting a lot of attention in St. Louis. And I just, again, another example of St. Louis fans, probably like you, you just get a good feeling that they're going to show up for these teams, SLU and city. So just another good vibe. Any other thoughts on SLU before we move on? Um, Just, I guess, college in a connection with MLS. I don't, I'm not too familiar with the draft, like super draft, I know what it is, but I'm curious if you guys know, is there another, like, is there an MLS connection with college? Do you know, like, a specific city who, like, a lot of a lot of kids from one certain college have gone to an MLS team? Because I, I'm, I'd be curious if it seems like we, it could potentially be a good pipeline if if MLS or college wants to work out nicely if they let you do homegrown or whatever. So I'd be curious if there was almost another MLS team kind of sourcing from a, a local college. The, I think the closest thing is like, I think Penn, this kid, Penn, I forgot his first name, but he was like a U.S. youth national team player, went from Indiana to Indy 11, and then Indy 11 tried to sign him, but then he got drafted by Miami, um, inter Miami in the draft. But I don't think, I took your question, I mean, like, is there a team in MLS that is targeting a specific college? Right, is that kind of I, yeah? I mean, or, so Indy Eleven, like yeah, similar because it's I, I in the backyard. Yeah, yeah, that's all I meant by that. And right, that's a very minuscule example. Like, yeah. you're on. So I was thinking the same thing. I mean, it may need to go to the draft, but if there is like a homegrown workaround where, hey, we get the first. We kind of talked about it last week with, um, but even if it's someone who's who's not like from Indiana or St. Louis and they are, they came, they were recruited by SLU, but now it's like they have a direct pipeline Mm -hmm. to, Oh, it's like a secondary LDL team essentially. Well, exactly. And why not? Um, if you can make it work, but it just occurred to me. So I was asking you guys if there was a homegrown player, because I thought I had heard of one that got signed out of college before they hit the draft. Patrick Wea, Patrick Wea got signed to a homegrown contract after spending a year or two at SLU. Uh, by Minnesota United. Well, wasn't that it's happened? Was then that was the name we were, I think, alluding to, where Minnesota got to sign him as a homegrown because he grew up there, went to an academy in the area. Exactly. But Minnesota didn't have an academy at the time that he was up there. So the MLS roster rules state that you have to be in an MLS team's academy system for a year before you can claim as a homegrown. And there was a lot of publicity about Minnesota getting around that, seemingly just because they didn't have an opportunity to have an academy at the time. But he was in their territory. Correct. So obviously instead of instead of MLS saying, you didn't have an academy, you can't place homegrown rights on a kid, they did the opposite. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, since you didn't have an academy, we'll let you place homegrown rights since he was in a system in your territory. Mm-hmm. And we're we're hoping, right? As St. Louis fans, we're like hoping, and I'm banking on us being able to claim every single St. Louis Scott Gallagher Academy player that we can. You guys were pretty down on it, but like, and it's like it's BS. It is, but if everyone else has done it, like we, it's one of our biggest, uh, like the best things about St. Louis is St. Louis Scott Gallagher. It's the best thing we have going 
before this year. And we should be able to draw from it, in my opinion, because everyone else has been. I'm not saying it won't happen. I mean, MLS has their, they make rules up as they go along. Yeah. In these. So it's, I mean, again, pre- I'm banking on you, it. Your precedence was set with Minnesota, so I could definitely see it happening. I yeah. just, um, I mean, a lot would go into it in that, uh, that's a lot of guys. That's a lot of it's kids a, you could look at. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at, um, like Joey Mayer. You're looking at Patrick Schulte. I mean, there are a lot of guys who we can just basically load up our LDL or, or our first year roster with in, instead of them going to the super draft, which will we would be eligible for, we could just say, oh, we're just going to claim homegrown, mm-hmm. and that's how we get our, half, our, half our roster. If I'm Lutz, I've already talked to Patrick Schulte. Hey, man, I think SLU for one more year sounds like a really good idea, and then we'll homegrown sign you for this rookie year. You're going to be our number one or our number two. You're in the first year of the team's existence in your hometown, like that's what I would be doing, and I'd be talking to MLS about how valuable it is for this soccer capital city to pull in its own players. I mean, why not just throw everything at the wall at the kitchen sink because we're one of the last two supposed expansion clubs for a while. So I know might as well just let teams do whatever they want and say, okay, we'll just figure out expansion rules later. I really hope it happens. I don't, I may be the only one. I don't know. Worst case scenario. I don't even feel dirty about it. Worst case scenario. Schulte stays in for another year and we would get number one pick in the super draft anyway. Yeah, that's true. Conceivably in Las Vegas and, Whatever. And I don't know if we, yeah. I mean, what is it like? Oh no, we can't pick between Schulte and Joey Mayer. Like, right. <laughs> there's no bad choice there <laughs> for the first pick. Um, we wouldn't have to go far with our bus to the mayor house, though. Yeah, right. As far as Nashville. <laughs> it's so true. Um, no, I think it's. I think it's a good shout. I mean, ML and I. I you almost see MLS doing it because they, they like the stories. Yeah. They like the drama. They. They'll they'll give it to they us. Bent over they'll backwards for they'll less. Yeah, Why wouldn't absolutely. they want us to come in hot? Exactly in our hot. That's a story in itself, right? Uh, they haven't hated the Nashville story. You know what I mean? So, yeah. nope. um, we got to talk. We can't move on without talking about Schulte again, <laughs> taking a punch to the freaking face. Just Duke, Duke being Duke. Yeah, I mean, we were alluding to it earlier, but uh, do you want to touch on that, Jake? What do you think? Yeah, Just, I mean, give it a blow by blow. <laughs> literally literally so from from the twitter video we thank you duke for giving us more content to just just prove to the whole world how terrible you are um so yeah end of the game looked like schulte's just going up to say hey good game man and i, I think there were some other scuffles going on so mm-hmm. maybe the guy was confused but still i'm sure i know he didn't just walk up there and just pat him on the back i mean even if he did it was like a gen you could clearly see what he's doing say hey good game man well, Schulte was there right. for a couple seconds. It's not like he took him by surprise. No, no, exactly. And he probably said something too, like, hey, man, good game. And then he just turned around. Duke guy just turned around. Swung. Swung. Punched oh, yeah. him in the face. Um, and Schulte, he did a good job of, like, backing up. I mean, he was, he was just like, what the hell just happened? Uh, and just backed up, got away from it. He was good to not risk anything or, like, get start fuming or anything, like, get into it. He just, like, backed up, like, okay. Idiot, and then uh, I, I heard the guy got a red card, and mm-hmm. he's out. If he's playing next year, he'll be out the first game or something. Props but, to Schulte for not going down and acting like his, his face <laughs> yeah. was completely busted up, like the Duke player did uh, last week yeah. when he got what was coming to he him. He got shoved, and he literally rolled, rolled. Like four times. A dude like, rolled in the game too. Mm-hmm. A Duke player. <laughs> I saw lots of like uh, slew alumni just like 
getting angry about it on on Twitter. But did you guys see the TK tweet about that whole situation too? Uh, he like said, "I'm really proud of Patrick in this situation. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. we've been working on this for years. So like, I think young Patrick might have swung back or something. You know? Oh, what I, mean? I thought he was almost cracking a joke. Like we've been working on like maneuver, like oh, <laughs> getting out of like moving your head and like not keeping his cool. Oh my gosh, do you guys watch those Watkey Watkey videos? It could have been a good Watkey video of like uh, for the USMNT uh, where he like breaks down Burhalter's back." Behind the ver- back oh. pass. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, sorry. That's, <laughs> right. that's a deep dive. That's my bad. That's my bad. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about, you mentioned it, MLS Next Fest. Matt, we've, we're going to get in the weeds on this one. There are so many weird, in classic MLS fashion, there's a lot of weird details with this MLS Next Fest. I'm just going to throw it to Matt to kind of give us details on that mixed with Generation Adidas, St. Louis Scott Gallagher versus MLS teams and how that all works. Go ahead, man. Yeah, so last last show we talked about, uh, I can't remember if we talked about the winter event or MLS Next Fest because I found on the website it had listed a winter event and then it changed to MLS Next Fest within like a day. And so essentially it's a showcase tournament that's happening this coming weekend uh, in Norco, uh, California, just outside of Los Angeles. And there are... Um, there's showcases for 13s on up to 19s, and in typical MLS Next fashion, it is carved out between the, I don't want to say the haves and the have-nots, because that's not exactly what it is, but it's the MLS um, Academies and then Others, which Others does include MLS Academies. So there are, uh, in the seventeen in the 17s and 15s age group, there is group stages for the Generation Adidas Cup. Um, Generation Adidas Cup is a tournament that MLS puts on, um, kind of showcasing for uh, the Generation Adidas contracts that get signed to MLS. Um, so it makes it's no surprise that that particular tournament or group stages of that tournament would be limited to MLS Next clubs and their academies because the the the, the idea is that just like Jack Mayer, players are going to get signed to Generation Adidas contracts. Um, that are eligible for the super draft. That's just a roster mechanism, uh, and there's minimum amounts of money they can make from that. Um, so that's that's part of it is group stages for the 15s and 17s uh, for Generation Adidas Cup, and that's what St. Louis City is in. Our 17s are in that. Um, our group stage is uh, set with Portland Timbers, New York Red Bulls, and Chicago Fire, and so we play. Uh, this weekend with matches against New York Red Bulls uh, on December third, Portland Timbers against or Portland Timbers on December fourth, and against the Chicago Fire on December sixth. So three days, uh, three games in four days, and uh, the idea is that after this, this appears to be all that the fest will have. The and then the Generation Adidas Cup will continue um, on into next year. So our seventeens will likely continue with that if if they make it in out of the group stage. So the rest of MLS Next Fest are showcases with the 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, I think 17s, and 19s. And that's where St. Louis Scott Gallagher is participating. So Scott Gallagher has all their teams that are competing in MLS Next now uh, going to the showcase. And I've seen on Twitter um, some players are are, uh, tweeting out some match dates and times, uh, YouTube highlights, because ultimately this whole MLS Next Fest is a scouting opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's it's a showcase uh, for agents, uh, for scouts, for 
uh, colleges to go have eyes on these players in one cohesive setting to network and to kind of scout who they're wanting to sign. And we, we talked about it with SLU. That's that's where some of these these players get first, first seen. That's where they're scouted. Um, so that whole thing's happening. And MLS put out on their website um, some additional activities that are ongoing, both in-person and virtual, um, as far as training opportunities and informational sessions for players and families. So it's just, I mean, it's a huge kind of event. It's the biggest event MLS Next has uh, for this outside of MLS Next Cup. And this is more geared towards, um, it's competition, but it's geared towards uh, opportunities for players and and visibility and identification. Uh, concurrently, there's at least one other um, showcase type uh, event going on in the U.S. this this weekend over in uh, South Carolina. ECNL has their own event where other Scott Gallagher teams will be among others. Um, so ECNL teams and and ages will be out there as well. And one of the interesting things that today came from a college soccer agent scout guy named Don Williams, who made a comment, which is very astute, says it's a shame that MLS next and ECNL big boys events are being held simultaneously at opposite ends of the country. Many college programs will be forced to make a choice of one or the other. It's a shame and not what's best for the players or coaches. I think we could all agree with that, that, um, it goes to what we talk about pretty regularly where MLS has essentially final say in youth development right now in the U.S. U.S. soccer has abdicated the throne after the D.A. folded and they're kind of letting MLS run the show, which is not right. Um, the first tier league should not be running youth development in the country. That should be the Federation's job. And Taylor Twelman agrees with that, who retweeted uh that tweet saying, until one governing body helps all parties move in the same direction, this is what you get. So it's unfortunate um, that kind of everything's fractured in this sense yeah. because you have to believe that, I mean, just from outside looking in without any true knowledge on the ground, that all of the best players, best quote-unquote, are currently in the MLS Next League. So whether it's MLS academies or non-MLS academies, um, that means fewer opportunities for those ECNL if it plays out where the majority of or the top tier scouts or agents or the the more prominent ones go to California instead of South Carolina. It's just fewer opportunities for no real reason. Yeah, and I can understand to some extent U.S. soccer who's not good at doing things, right? Like they're bad at the Open Cup. Just look at the Open Cup. Horribly mishandled. It's gotten better, but it still has so much potential that's just being wasted because U.S. soccer is bad at putting these kinds of things together. Matt, you just listed off stuff I didn't. I had no idea all this stuff was going on during Generation Adidas. MLS is a corporation who has an extremely organized event with all these benefits to these kids, to the agents. It's probably nice and easy for them and probably smooth. You know what I mean? They just show up. They know exactly where to go. Someone's telling them with their badge, like, you go here, here, here. Dinner's here. They get a map, probably. It's, like, super organized. Um, that's really awesome that MLS is able to pull that off. I mean, we should give them credit because it, it's going to be an amazing event. But since they're in charge of that event, it's catered to their people, right? I mean, there's... We're not even... I mean, 
we as in St. Louis Scott Gallagher isn't even able to play in this generation Adidas Cup, which we won the unite or took second or third in the other the other year. Yeah, and I the think U19s. Nuance is the name of the game here, and we love that word here in St. Louis. Um, but you're the the layers to this. I mean, we could talk about this for hours. There are so many layers to why they're doing things the way they are, and whether opportunities aren't being given to MLS Next academies that don't have MLS clubs. So let's just say St. Louis Scott Gallagher. Um, I mean, fact of the matter is they are out there in that setting. So agents who come, scouts who come, colleges who come with an eye towards the MLS clubs will be there to see Scott Gallagher players as well. Mm-hmm. So they're they're part of the system that MLS Next put MLS put together that does cater to their academies because mm-hmm. they're trying to grow. I mean, they are they are the their own league. They're a, a business entity as well. They're trying to grow um, their clubs and their academies first and foremost. That's that's who they're looking out for, number one. And they're also giving these opportunities to non-MLS academies. Mm-hmm. So I think credit does need to be given in that sense. And you're right, Phil, that that they've they put together this massive um, they've they've picked up the ball where U.S. Soccer failed, mm-hmm. and you could go on and on about the relationship between MLS and U.S. Soccer, um, how interwoven things are with various people on the board and making decisions that seemingly cater to MLS. But if U.S. Soccer is not going to have a development academy, somebody has to like that has to happen. And it shouldn't happen for MLS. The U.S. soccer needs to be doing this. Mm-hmm. But with the cards that fell where they may after the DA, I think this seems like it's it's trending into um, it's trending into the best it can be, mm-hmm. given all things considered. Like U.S. soccer should be, but since they're not, we're at least not in a in a strictly closed MLS academy system here. We're not having an event and a league for for 13s to 19 year olds that. It, is only MLS like opportunities are being given to all these other clubs to participate and play us like Gallagher played city. Those kinds of matchups are occurring. Cities played an untold number of non MLS teams. Mm -hmm. Those are happening. And so we're getting experience, visibility and, and opportunity for these non MLS academies to be in the ecosystem that MLS has had to create almost out of necessity. Maybe out of necessity. And it is nice of them to include everybody. They didn't have to, right? They didn't have to at all. But I think if the, I think if the if U.S. Soccer decided that they were going to run it, it probably would be bad and disorganized. But it would be equal, right? It it would be somewhat equal, right? Um, so maybe, but I, I guarantee you, the best ECNL teams and even some of the best USL Academy teams would end up playing some of the best um, in MLS next, whether they're MLS or not. Well, St. Louis FC proved that. Exactly. Exactly. And so, like, I I just, I wish U.S. soccer would maybe put their toe in the water and try, like, okay, we're going to take the champion of ECNL, and we're and basically every federation around the entire country, not federation, but every uh, league uh, that deals with academies around the entire nation and give them an opportunity. All they got to do is like three, four rounds, right? And just give everybody an opportunity to play, you know, everybody, the best teams. And then at least it would feel more fair. And then that could be an event. And they could dip their toe into trying to throw a scouting event for, you know, the top teams in the country among all the other leagues. And interleague 
cup of some a, sort. A super cup. Yeah. I mean, that would be more fair. And that's like, you. if U.S. soccer cared about fairness, I think they would try something. But they don't ha- want to spend the money. They don't want to expend the resources to put out a product that's probably going to get suck and they're probably going to get ripped for uh, open cup, but I'd like them to try. They've, they've spent so much time. U S soccer has spent so much time and money to build up the structure that they have, which isn't inherently uh, unequal uh, inequality abound um, just because of the single entity structure, the lack of pro rel, all of that. But the, the problem is, is that they went from absolutely nothing in the early 90s, absolutely nothing, to what we have now, which if you compare just what we have now to what we had then, I don't think anybody would say I'd rather have what we were had in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. So they've spent all this money and time to build that infrastructure and that that way of doing soccer in this country, which has made a lot of people rich, and a lot of those people are making the decisions and have a huge stake in the game. So they've got themselves into this position where... They've built up soccer in the U.S. and done a great job of building it up from mm-hmm. what it was, but they've done it in this way, so there's really no going the way we see it in Europe. Mm-mm. No, and I mean, the money's there, right? The way they've built it means there's money in every single club, um, and it's because they've developed a product that people are willing to invest millions, billions even, into. And so they've got the money, no tournament in the country is going to be fair just because MLS just has so much more resources and U S soccer. I mean, that's why they aren't going to try it. They don't have the resources even that MLS does. Yeah. But but I think let's, let's be fair though, that the way it's trending isn't necessarily bad. It's not what we, it's not what I'm mentioning are the good bad sides. Right. And all you're mentioning are the good sides, which is a, and it should, that's how it should be. I agree with you. I agree with you. But, but what I'm saying is that with, uh, with everything that's inherently flawed with the system, yeah, like, Going back to the national team conversations about how we're developing our own our own talent, we've got this we've got this golden generation that isn't a golden generation because we're continually going to be developing these players. It's not like this one time mm-hmm. golden generation anymore because we have the infrastructure to develop the players who are going to take their positions, and we've got them in the pipeline. Yeah, and that's being built on the backs of what U.S. Soccer and MLS and, and USL and everything has done so far. So yeah. we're doing things an entirely different way than Europe. We're starting way behind them in the grand scheme of things. But who's to say that in 20 years from now, we're not, I mean, this is obviously pie in the sky, my uh, golden, my just rose colored goggles here. But who's to say in 20 years from now, our way doesn't end up being better the way the world is working. For sure. So. Well, and and my last pie in the sky thing is that, you know, we just talked, we just saw this week in USL, um, I always get his name wrong, Jonathan Gomez, yes, mm-hmm. from Louisville City. Um, you know, USL is finally kind of, not finally, but they've gotten big enough that they can, and honestly, I think MLS has gotten so big that now USL has a, a place to fill that a lot of MLS players are going to be too expensive for a lot of leagues out there in the world where USL can step in and be like, we've got this left back whose quality, he's not going to cost you that much compared to an MLS player. You give us a million dollars, or in this case, a hundred thousand. But you normally he'd go for like a million dollars. That's big money for a club like Louisville City, and Real Sociedad has a great player for only a million dollars. I mean, that's a good deal too. And so, yeah, I love where MLS is for all the reasons you mentioned, Matt. I know I was negative um, 
but I, I agree with everything you said. I really Somebody do. needs to be naked to me. Well, actually, doesn't make for good listening if. <laughs> but when it, when we're talking about Twitterverse, you're a rarity in this world, Matt. I think you're maybe you're a ray of, of sunshine for MLS on Twitter. But um, but I will just say that USL has a hole to fill too to improve that that golden generation that hopefully becomes just like a golden pipeline. Um, Jake, I'm sorry we got real oh, no, nerdy on you. Any it, thoughts on all of this stuff? No, it's all good. Um, I guess if if what my question is like, what is U.S. Soccer's goal? One of the goals would be build this, build this successful, or you would think make the U.S. men's national team successful. So with with this golden generation we have now, and hopefully is going to continue, and it looks like it's continuing thanks to maybe MLS academies and sending kids off and out into Europe, um, like we kind of mentioned last week. So is U.S. soccer, if we want them to take over like the like academies or or programs and host tournaments and events to develop these it seems like they're are they just like piggybacking off mls and are they cool with that and are is that their goal is that a goal it's like well mls is doing a decent job do we just let them roll with it and kind of sit in the back and there maybe there's these weird strings being pulled here and there who knows i don't know corporations and money are weird things but I'm not. I'm not trying to put a big conspiracy theory out there or anything. Um, well, it's but, out there. So <laughs> yeah. But what, like, what is you think that's the goal? It's like develop and have a successful, the successful U.S. men's national team and women's mm-hmm. um, means success for U.S. soccer and growing the sport. But it's like, are you gonna do something about it or let someone else do something about it? Well, that's the funny thing is that, you know, they did finally sever ties where they were both part of some, right? MLS and national team were part of the same marketing crew. And it makes sense. Like, a lot, you look at every successful World Cup team, their domestic league is amazing, right? France, Italy, Spain. So, like, I think that's the idea that, like, if we can get MLS to be one of the best in the world or at least top 20, top 15, maybe top 10 in the world – then we have a chance at the World Cup, that golden pipeline. They've always viewed it as like being hand-in-hand. So it makes sense for them to work together. But I think what they didn't think about, no foresight whatsoever, was like what it would do to the rest of the leagues in the the country. And we're such a big country. There's a lot of leagues that would would miss out in those situations. And I think they're trying to rectify that. And that's what I said today. When I I tweeted that stuff out too, and I was sounded really bitter where like – a lot of people have been left behind and embittered against MLS because of this like relationship that was just, I don't know what, what's the word for it. It's it, it, it was clearly unfair to a large portion of, of soccer in the country, even if it makes sense to do it. Which part are you talking about? Just the way MLS is structured? Yeah. Well, and how they, how they, even if they weren't conspiracy theory behind the scenes, it looked like they were, and it felt like they were, you know, like certain open cup decisions, you know, like if you're in the same house and you're making decisions that happen to benefit one side more than the other, you're just going to point the finger because it's just too easy. You know what I mean? And I don't know what they did. It doesn't matter. And none of this really matters, but cause I do think we're moving in the right direction. They did. They, they separated themselves. I think USMNT is not no longer part of some. Is that correct? Well, they separated the the marketing of it. Yeah. So yeah. like media rights, where MLS is selling the media rights for twenty twenty two and beyond, 
Um, but you mentioned personnel, like a lot of right. USMNT guys are MLS guys. So. Yeah, yeah. And US soccer is no longer a part of that. So like, yeah, US soccer is not being represented by some, which is the marketing arm of MLS. And yeah. that's actually... It's a how, massive step. Well, and it's it kind of is interesting to see where MLS goes from there too, because MLS probably wouldn't have had their um, $90 million a year deal if USMNT hadn't been a part of that. So they've had their media rights deal for a while. And True. Because they signed that before we didn't make the 18 World Cup. And so MNT was still a hot property at that time. And they kind of pulled, and that, and that's like way back in when, in like 2002 or something, when some first started, that's how MLS raised themselves up. They tied themselves. They hitched their wagon to U.S. soccer with some. And some's how MLS mm-hmm. kind of was able to financially grow in the way that they did. So now you can see it as U.S. soccer saying, all right, we're, we're done with you. We're going to do it our, ourselves. We're going to hire in-house uh, marketers, advertisers, and we're going to get our own deal. Um, you could also see it as because they've done that, MLS now has to stand on their own two feet. Hmm. And it sounds weird to say that because they've been catered to, and you're not wrong in any of that. They have been catered to in a lot of the decisions that have been made. Um, but but I would also argue that they've been catered to because the system that has been required for us to create a, a stabilized soccer ecosystem in the country required what MLS is now like Mm. we couldn't have done this we tried and we failed and we didn't do it the way that European clubs did heck before MLS started uh it was put out to various owners like um like the crafts the hunts and everything would would you want to do it the pro rail way like here's what our plan here's what we'd like to do implement pro pro rail with this what would be MLS and here's how the structure would be Nobody wanted in because nobody wanted to put their stake in that. It wasn't financially stable. Nobody want, Nobody would make money. Nobody would do mm. – wouldn't work in the U.S. at that time. And so you can't say it didn't try because at least the feelers were put out in the early 90s. And so this is what we have. And I feel like MLS, by being catered to, is helping to grow the sport in the country to a certain degree. And it's not from the top down. It's just at the top. So, like, they're growing the top – where you have the bottom almost fending for themselves and doing a hell of a job, to be quite honest. Yeah. Like with USL, doing what they're doing is remarkable. But you go back to who did USL hitch their wagon to to get where they are now? Mm-hmm. MLS. So you're getting some some wagon hitching. You're getting some partnerships to grow it. It's not cohesive. Trickle down, you might say. You might say trickle down. <laughs> US soccer to MLS to USL. The trickle down effect has, I suppose, worked to a degree, although... Um, I will never abdicate that in economic terms. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's going to be interesting. My answer, Jake, to, to your question, what is what is U.S. soccer's goal is 2026. Yeah. Yep. And that TV deal. The, well, the TV deal that, that MLS is going to get, the TV deal for U.S. soccer, they need U.S. MNT to be successful. The, the, women's, the women have been successful. They've, they are going to be successful. I don't have any doubt about that. Um, Blackco is just doing, he's going to do what he's going to do. Um, but everything we hear about always is geared towards 2026. And even MLS moves are geared towards, uh, an eye towards 2026 and U S soccer is trying to, they need to make the world cup. USMNT has to make the world cup for 22. Once they do that, regardless of how they do, I think it's going to be a, a race to the finish to 26. Everybody's going to make a boatload of money. That's what's being viewed as, as this is what's going to grow the sport in our country. This is the next flashpoint. 94 was a flashpoint. This is going to be, 94 is what got us a top tier professional league in this country. If it wasn't for the 94 World Cup, we wouldn't have what we have. We wouldn't have a top tier league the way we do. We might have NASL 4.0 right now. 
Um, but it's post 26 that in I'm in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, everybody's talking about 26, but what's the landscape going to look like after that? You got USL over here talking about pro rel discussions. You have MLS talking about stopping expansion, things that have been very different from so far MLS being in a growth pattern, USL being in a growth pattern, and they seem like they're trying to stabilize after they reach the 26 world cup. What's it going to look like after that? I think the, the goal right now is to win on our home turf and make a boatload of money. Absolutely. I would actually say, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And rise up the world rankings as far as the best. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. That seems just like a finish line. It's like, I hope they, there's more after, but it seems like that's what they're building towards. And then they're going to get there and be like, oh. let's, see, let's see what falls into place. Or well, what, let's see what other opportunities. I just, I don't know. I, I, I feel like you're the, not wrong. The vision needs to be bigger than 2026. But I do. But they're think, waiting for that to get the bigger vision. I, th- I do think it's going to be interesting to see what vision comes from that because, like, like we were saying, leading up to '94, you had one thing where you're hosting the World Cup and you're trying to compete and you're getting the biggest stars and you're performing well. And then after '94, it took two years to actually get MLS off the ground. So that was a completely different shift in what they were doing. They've got something will happen after '26. It's just going to be in, incredible. Super <laughs> I mean, that's well, it. you have the League's Cup happening in 23 with MLS and yeah. like MX. It's gonna, I mean, I think that's the next one. It's just like they just got to keep figuring out how to grow, even if there's no expansion. Will USL have Pro Rel by 26? Well, that's the funny. Like, I think we'll we'll pivot on these ideas here. Is like uh, the funny USL news where during halftime, right? Jake Edwards comes on and, and says that there's going to be. Uh, Halftime of the USL championship. Championship. Yeah. Uh, They're going to follow the European schedule, and ProRel is still going to be. I don't know if he said voted on. He said voted on. He did on the ProRel one, but he didn't say voted on for the European schedule. And so everyone thought it was truth. And then Athletic posted that it was truth. And then he said, well, we're going to vote on it. (laughs) Well, the Athletic posted. But we're not voting on it in December. (laughs) Right. Athletic posted it was truth, and then they referenced their reporting from, like, July, where they're like, yeah, this is, they're going to vote on it. Yeah. As as continuing confirmation. And then. Bad comms there. Bad comms. Like, Jake's message should have been clear, for sure. And, I mean, everyone over freaked out, as usual. But, anyway, that's a fun one. That's some news for this week. Um, uh, There was. Uh, something else I was going to mention too, and now I can't think of what it was. Uh, that was a pretty hard pivot from. Yeah, you mentioned I, it. I was going to say real quick that started us talking about Academy and their tournament this weekend. So, oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> get that, used to it. Just, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I want to remind people: don't forget about the Academy is playing this weekend. Yeah, thank and, you. Oh, Good so call, bringing man. it bringing it way back to that as we close the loop on this <laughs> this segment. Um, I do. Oh, the numbers! I wanted to mention your 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 argument with Grant Wall. Oh, it, <laughs> the viewer numbers. So I don't really want to. Talk I didn't mean about to interrupt you. No, no, no. That was a. That's a totally. Let me finish this one. First. Yeah. So <laughs> I just didn't want to forget. No. So um, I do. I I don't like how little um, information is coming out about the. I get that it's it's a an ID showcase for for everybody who's going out there, but like we're fans of the club. I want to know what's going on. Um, club has been pretty silent on everything related to this tournament. I think the only things that have come out have probably been either from me or people that I'm friends with um, or the other podcasts in St. Louis who care to track it down themselves, which is awesome. We've talked about how that's kind of a fun thing to do now while we can. 
but I would like to see at least something in the next few days of, hey, this is happening. Because if, if people, I, I don't have a far reach. If people don't hear what I say or people don't listen to a podcast that we're doing, they're not going to know that the team that has been playing here in Creep Core for five months and is the precursor to the MLS club, they're going out to LA to play other MLS teams. No. So I'd like to see something um, from the club that just at least says, hey, this is happening. Yeah, there's been a lot of focus on the stadium because I think that's what people and average people. In it's St. the sexy Louis, thing. Yeah. The, the bill payers are going to love that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And us nerds, whatever. If know? we if we don't get anything, any stream or anything, I just want to watch it. Like, it'd be great to watch it. We might just need a, a parent to get up there with Facebook Live or something. <laughs> Track it down from one of the teams or yeah. have to get weird and start tracking the uh, Red Bull and Timbers and Fire Academy parents and stuff is it not going to be streamed i guess only some we games. don't know yeah well even mls hasn't announced that no. i guess mls cup if we have if we use that as the if we use that as the uh, the gauge then some games may be streamed because they streamed some games in mls next cup mm-hmm. not all but select games same with generation adidas i mm-hmm. got to watch a couple of those st louis scott gallagher games they played but I think it was just the final, the finals ones. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm sure the schedule will drop with MLS, and hopefully the team will push that as well. Yep. Um, maybe we should edit this out. Did that Grant Wall thing not go oh, well for you? No, I don't no, know no. what happened. No, 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 no. I just know like the numbers were confused, okay. and you talked to Grant Wall about it. That's all I knew. So, <laughs> so I'll give you a timeline from my perspective. So yeah. I. Um, before Thanksgiving, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. MLS has a match on Thanksgiving. It's gonna, ratings are going to be through the roof. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to follow all the football. It's going to be – there's, like, two things on to watch. It's MLS or football, and we're following a football game. Like, the ratings are going to be great. And uh, so I was checking this uh, website, Showbuzz Daily, which um, I'm also a pro wrestling fan, and I think every pro wrestling fan watches ratings because that's the thing to do. Mm-hmm. I started doing that when I was a teenager in WCW, WWF crazy yeah so the ratings wars that's that was part of my childhood oh there you go yeah okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the ratings wars that's why you got to say it Mm -hmm. i Um, didn't follow the ratings but yeah you're familiar with the concept yeah (laughs) so um that's the site that i am familiar with and so i checked it out and they had a thanksgiving uh broadcasting cable up and so i looked at it and it said that on the site which is always reliable uh, and hollywood reporter even referenced them as well they said that uh the mls match between the Rapids and the Timbers um, drew 7.2 million viewers, which is absurd. The highest MLS-rated match ever is like 3 million and change back in 96. So this was an absurd number. So I tweeted it out, and I, I was like, I was overjoyed because I was like, this is over double. How, it's absurdly high. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, it, like, you see that number, it's absurd. And so Sam Stasekel tweeted it out as well, completely separate from me. But tweeted out the same number, and so I was like, I was full speed ahead. I was like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, we're, we're gung-ho about this. We're always playing on Thanksgiving. Mm. Like, next year, I know we can't, but after that, it's always. And then uh, I see somebody post, like, uh, it's it's questionable or something like that. And so I was, like, tracking and trying to figure out what, who, who's questioning it. Come across Grant Wall tweet. And Grant Wall was saying, uh, he posted, like, he posted information. He didn't post where he got his information from. He just said something to the effect of, People were were misinformed or what they sent out wasn't right. Mm. I don't know why they would send it out, uh, you know, without checking, obviously referring to Sam. And oh. and uh, and so he's tweeting out a number of like 1.89, which is good for MLS. It's not like groundbreaking, earth shattering, but it's good. It's one of the highest 
ratings they've gotten, and I think the highest Fox has ever had. Um, but I asked him, I and I, I replied to him, and I posted both the graph from Showbuzz Daily and the Hollywood Reporter article citing 7.2. Yeah. And I was like, Grant, you, you have no sources here. Like, you're just saying, like, they're wrong, and here's the right number. Mm. Like, you got to cite sources. And he goes, he goes, I did. I talked to people. Yeah. I was like, I, I get that you're, you have sources and you have inside information. That's such a Grant Wall but, thing to say and he, too. And I'm still getting mentions on it for God only knows why. But I, know. um, I mean, people both saying both of them side of like, well, you got to trust Grant implicitly because he knows his stuff. He's got his sources. <laughs> and then folks saying like, you can't just say you showed your work and cite sources. Like yeah. I, I talked to people while showing my work. It's not showing your work. Like you were right in the end. He was right in the end because he apparently called Fox executives and Fox eventually tweeted their PR stuff out saying what happened was the ratings from Showbuzz apparently took at the top of the hour, which was still NFL, the, the game or post game or something. And so it didn't capture the actual match. So they eventually, um, but it's just the concept of, I, I can just say this and they're wrong because they cite their sources, but I'm right. Mm. Be, and I don't have to tell you anything about like, that I talked to executives, I talked to, un, I talked to multiple unnamed sources. Like I'll take any nugget you have, as long as you're not just saying conflicting information without any type of a, a citation. Like he made a point, he made a point, which is valid that journalists, I just wish he was humble when he replied to you. Yeah. And I, you did come in hot to, in his parent. I do remember what like you said. You came in a little hot. So With like sources, I was so sure but he could have said like, I've talked to people. I can't tell you who it is. Just be like humble about it. But no, the dude basically came in and was like, I'm fucking Grant wall. Get out. Yeah, I mean, well, ah, that yeah. kind of shit drives me crazy. It doesn't matter who you are, how famous you are, how much work you've put in, which he really has. He Still, does, you don't have to act that way. And and he does he does do the work and he was right in the end. It's 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 the he was right but in the wrong way. And I was wrong yeah, but in the right way. Yeah. Just like I mean Sam was using the sources that are right 99.99% of the time no matter if they seem absurd or not because let's be honest, the NFL match had 26 million people watching. It's not absurd to think that 7 million people could no. have left their TV on afterwards. Yeah. So that the numbers, it's not like, and his, one of his points was if, if what you see on social media seems really absurd, you know, you should do some more digging and look at and call some people and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It's not that absurd to think that of the 26 million who watched seven might've stuck around. Mm -hmm. So it was a fun back and forth. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, I've definitely done something exactly like that. Um, Mine was more embarrassing, though, for sure. Uh, let's talk about... Oh, Stu, I wanted to talk... So I was hoping to pivot kind of into uh, Stuart asking this question. And um, this is a fun one because I do always have this, like, tear inside me of, like, you know, I'm a USL guy, but we've got MLS, so we get to, like, take advantage of those little benefits that we may or may not have uh, by being part of MLS. And so Stu was asking about players, whether they're in USL second division, third division, LDL next year. Um, he said, here's my question. With the Sounders not picking up Will Bruins option and Austin FC not doing likewise with Aiden Stanley, which, uh, quote, needs a homecoming player, would you like St. Louis City to sign for 2023? This is a fun one. He's mentioned guys like Connor Sparrow, Jake Leaker, Tom Barlow, Tim Ream, Josh Sargent, and anyone playing in the second and third divisions in the United States or outside. 
St. Louis players, who would you guys like to see? I'm going to have to pass on this question. Out of my mind. <laughs> Not even like, what about like fan favorite? Like what would the fans enjoy seeing? <laughs> I, I would, okay, well, as, that list. as far as my knowledge, I'm going Tim Ream. Yeah. Um, I would love, because, well, I know I've seen Tim Ream play before. I don't know a lot of those other guys. I mean, I know Josh Sargent and Tim Ream, but I'd go Tim Ream. It seems like it could be, timing-wise, it, it could work out, and uh, I like Tim Ream. He seems yeah. like a real nice guy. <laughs> We've talked about it. I think he's perfect. Stewie's, Stewie's uh, phrasing, though, is, which needs a homecoming player would you like City to sign? So there's a lot of ways to like view it. If I had to pick any player that I think would make the biggest splash and that would actually probably contribute for a year or so, I would go Tim Ream. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to be, what, 34, something like that? I um, think 30, uh, you might be right. When 23 comes around. But I think I think the the name, the recognition, the the awareness is there. And I think it, it depending on what he wants to do with his career, with his life, if he wants to come back to St. Louis and with coaching, if he's interested in that. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, and this thought literally just came to me, and so I'm so happy it did. If if Tim Ream came back here for a year in 23, played for a year, and then was the media guy in St. Louis, like the ex-player who is just the go-to guy in media, because we talk about that all the time, that media needs people who know what they're talking about. Media needs people who are experts, and 101 has all these former players and stuff. If Tim Ream came back and decided he didn't want to do coaching, he wants to do broadcast. And he got on, and it was Tim Ream doing oh color locally. How cool would that be? And I would love for him to be able to, you know, like all the local media guys that don't know about soccer, like bring him in, like learn something. And like, it won't be like you and me, like, hey, stop saying, stop calling it this. Like Tim Ream would be like, well, you know, kindly we say this, or this is really what you might've thought if you, you know, experienced it. Like he would be able to like guide these guys to like actually know about soccer and they would feel lucky to talk to him because he's a national team player. He's got a reputation. He's got history. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's really cool. I, like I, I'd rather for, I don't know, for his sake, I almost would rather see him in the coaching realm, but Agreed. Maybe he's like that, an and, ugly beast. And but. that's that's the thing. That's the knee jerk is that he, I just, I don't know why, but I just assume because he's so knowledgeable about the game, yeah. he would have, he would just, that would be the natural progression he would go to. And even if he does do that, I think there are so many options and opportunities. You do a year with City, and maybe your deal includes um, that post playing career coaching role, mm-hmm. whatever it ends up being, whether it's the academy, LDL, a lot of different opportunities for coaches in this system. I think that would be. Awesome to see. Absolutely. Um, I was I was gonna say Tom Barlow would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he just isn't. I mean, he had a nice. I mean, he's had an awesome trajectory right now, going through Red Bulls two up to the main squad. Um, what I think would be really interesting if Tom Barlow came with Bradley Carnell as our head coach, mm-hmm. who's the Red Bulls assistant, and then what ended up playing out was Carnell comes and he actively seeks out. Uh, Tom Barlow, which kind of would say something about Tom, even though he hasn't really shined bright with New York. You know, he's he's good, serviceable. Mm-hmm. He's he's a, a quality player. Um, he probably doesn't stand out in the sense of all of the other guys like like Will or Connor or any anybody. But I think that would be an interesting story of new head coach brings along the local kid that he coached for years in New York. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. I think I think I would love to see him come, even if he ends up being the local kid 
who subs into a game every, you know, fourth or fifth game. That's kind of what he's doing for New York right now. So I'd love to see that as well. It's tough, though, because you look at all the guys who are in MLS and who do we want to come. And that's why I mentioned Stewie's phrasing, because who do we want to come as like the homecoming person? Because mm-hmm. we're going to have local guys on our roster yeah. from our own academy. So these are going to be the homecoming of who is now coming to St. Louis because we have a pro team. Yeah. I think I think my answer will be even over. Uh, this is so. This is the if if you didn't care about PR, if you just cared about like you want a quality player um, who St. Louisans will celebrate. It's Jack Marr, and I think we could get him if things were to swing our way. I don't think I think they would protect him, Nashville. But you know, there's the the whatever draft, the expansion da- draft where Nashville has to put up a certain amount of players. Well, that's why the expansion draft in a couple of weeks with Charlotte's going to be I important know. to watch to see who they pick from and who will be protected for us. I'm praying there's not a Nashville player that goes. Well, we've got two uh, St. Louisans who play for Nashville, so that's do we true. need a keeper? If Schulte not available, do we want to take Joe Willis? He's 33, 35, something like that. That's nothing. You're right. You're right. For a keeper. That'd be fine. I doubt he leaves, though. He's in a good yeah. spot to be a keeper. I mean, he yeah. is. He is. They defend like mad crazy for I, I got a question about the expansion drafts um because i don't know all the details about it so do you what do teams put up like are they told they have to put up certain players and do they get to pick who they're putting up or mm-hmm. yeah i think there's certain requirements with who they can and cannot put up but they do get to choose and this is what i was about to say is that a lot of deals you we'll just buy him from you before the draft so that you don't have to lose him in the draft. And like they'll offer him gam and tam usually to try to, so we could steal some of these players just like outside of the draft or like sometimes they'll pick someone and sell that guy or trade that guy to get someone else. And so that's, you know, just stuff that has happened. It's going to be fun. Yeah, this we'll expansion some, draft. We'll see some weird things that happen right before and right after you can't trade during the draft, but um, yeah. with trades and Gam and Tam and, and what teams want to acquire, like what for giving up certain players. It'll be mm-hmm. it'll be an interesting thing to like, see. Like, do they sell him back to the team? I feel like that's happened as well. Like, we pick him and they like, they're like, no. And they Almost sp- like a sign and trade type thing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it, it's it's insane. It'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> we'll learn better when we get yeah, to I'll, that. Well, I'll sure. pay attention to the Charlotte one when that happens. And So that's my official answer, Jack Mayer. Um, the... I've been wanting to say this for a long time. I looked up for our LDL team next year. This wasn't the question, but I've been like trying to think who's my number one player who I'd like to steal from lower division soccer to play in LDL or even college maybe, or the Academy if they would go straight pro. And, um, uh, what's his name? Mateo kid has played for Chicago house. Um, he played almost every game last year. And he was great under Precky. He was like one of the few players that was great under Precky. The kid knows how to press. He's a pressing monster. He has an engine that never dies. Um, he's the only one that like scored a goal against what DC United in a friendly <laughs> back in the day under Precky. So like this kid, like he's not shining yet, but I think if he got into the LDL team, I could see him improving so much under good coaching and in a system that works for him, like a pressing system. I would love to see Mateo Kit. Have you guys thought about like t- players you'd like to see in LDL that perhaps played on the U23 team last year? Um, guys that would see the LDL as an opportunity that isn't inside of our academy already. I haven't given it a whole lot of thought on individual players. I'm just interested to see 
how our academy grows into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm focused on who I want to see from our own 17s and maybe 16 squad make that step up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I have the same thought because we probably, I think we talked about it last week or maybe the week before where I think I, I think I asked the question like how out of the group that we're seeing now, like who, what, is there a big chunk or like what group or specific players do you think will be ready to play in that LEL team next mm-hmm. year? Which is, I think it'll be, I think there's an opportunity and I think there is going to be a good chunk and it's going to be interesting to see how they feel around it. Agree. Well, yeah. and that's one other thing that happened since we last did a show is City had open trials. That's true. For yeah. their LDL squad. Um, this past Sunday, they had at least two sessions and they filled up quick. As soon as they they were released, they had 60 in each time slot. So 60 people for two hour periods, um, 120 total. And they may open up another one. Um, but it's I'm interested to see the just how the roster forms, whether they look to mm-hmm. some of the, the Nisa guys or um, whether they give they who they scout kind of from from different parts of the country, mm-hmm. how they and, and other teams, too, in um, currently USL championship, like how the rosters are formed just across the board is really interesting to me. Yeah, there wasn't a, a like a list of who participated, was there or we haven't seen photos yet. No, that, I didn't. Be interesting. The, I only saw one tweet, and it was by the St. Louis Lions account. So it tells me that there were Lions players that were probably there. I'm sure, and that would not surprise me at all. I forgot he wore number ten with St. Louis Scott Gallagher U23s. Hassan, I forgot his first name. He was my hero for that whole season. He was so good. Sorry, I'm backed off. Uh, anyway, I'd like to see him too. There's, um, I mean, there's so many good players that could that could fill in a role there. And I'll be like you said, I'll be watching like who's bringing in a bunch of non academy players and who are they? I'm excited about that as a USL nerd. I think we need to do quick fire with this one. And Matt, this is mostly going to be you. No, no, you guys have both seen this stuff. Um, so like really short, like try to be five, 10 second answers on these. Um, you're not going to be able to, but here we go. Series six collaboration. Did you see it, Jake? Yes. What'd yeah. you think? It looks sick. I, Shout out to Series 6 in general, not their... I'll give them a little plug, because mm-hmm. they, they have some really cool stuff that I bought before, uh, pre-City stuff. Even they're like, before the team was announced, they align- I'm way over my time, I'm sorry. It's really cool. It, it looks that awesome. Will, Shout out Series 6. Matt will fill in the details. What else, Matt? No, my my wife and I have been buying Series 6 stuff, just like Jake said, for forever. And I the stuff that came out today was beautiful. They've mm-hmm. got shirts, sweatshirts. They, I'm sounding like an ad for them. But they've got kids stuff. That's the thing. They've got kids stuff for City. So mm-hmm. I so I've I've bought my kids a couple City Crest shirts, but they're Fanatics brands. They're you know, whatever I, they wear them because they're kids. They don't know any better. But these are these are nice clothes, and they, it looks good. And so I'm excited for it. Yeah. So my thought is keep doing collaborations, City, because what these guys came up with was different than anything they would have put out, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a local group, right? So that's supporting a local group, local collaboration, love that kind of thing. It's the it's the second collaboration they've done with Series. Well, they've done a bunch before oh, they were St. Louis okay. City. So they did a lot of MLS for the Loose shirts. That was Series 6 too. Uh, that's right. Um, the We Did It stuff, or You Did It or something, they had shirts that they were giving away mm-hmm. at the at Urban Chestnut. That was Series 6 too. Um, okay. They well, did the City Dutchtown shirt. That was, mm-hmm. and sweatshirt. That was yep. Series 6 as well. I was mad I didn't get that. Uh, but I'd say spread the wealth. There's so many other cool companies they could partner with. Let's keep it going. Um, Blues game. We got to start with you, Jake. The, the I know you were there, Matt, so you get to fill in more details. But what, they gave away a shirt? Scarf? 
Scarf. Uh, it was a City and Blues collab scarf. Also, before the game, they had some of the uh, the Blues players kicking around a ball, That's rocking right. some City gear, which is cool. But I was not there, so I, I wasn't either. About. All right, Matt. That would have been cool to see the the Blues players on ice kicking around a ball. That would have been fun. It was. <laughs> I just rooms. I would want to see it deflated after they kicked it with a skate. I thought it was fun. I've never seen so many people I know at a Blues game before. That's cool. I so that's awesome. People, yeah, people from the FX Council were there. Um, saw Mitch from Luligans there. I, I mean, I saw like a, a great amount of people there. Um, saw city staff. They were there walking around doing stuff. Awesome. Um, plug for their uh, their their tweet. They got a picture of my daughter holding up a scarf <laughs> for their their tweet that night. I thought the scarves were cool. The scarves are nice, and yeah. it was. I mean, so there were people who didn't really like the fact they were theme tickets, which is what it is. You know, Blues have theme nights and they give away some stuff. Um, How else are they going to do it? Giveaways to the first 10,000. Oh, I that see. kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, the scarf is really nice. I've I've already got it up on my wall. It's it's blue and white uh, with just says St. Louis and like yellow blues and city crests on either side. Cool. And yeah. the blue. Oh, and it was the, a great Crazy game. Game itself was awesome. Uh, Blues went down three nothing within the first six minutes, and huh. then came back to win it. No, in a shootout. Wow, it was awesome. That's cool. I'm going and, Thursday next Thursday. The uh, second intermission, John Hackworth came out on ice and was like kicking balls around in this like they had little goals or little areas he had to like put the ball in the circles of the ice. So he was doing that. That was fun. Um, CKB had an interview. Um, they replayed the video of the city announcement with Sterling K. Brown. Remember that voiceover from when they first announced? Oh, yeah. yeah. They played yeah. that on the Jumbotron. Nice. Cool. Goosebumps from that every time. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, his, his intro and his voiceover is awesome. I agree. You watched an MLS game the other day. I yeah. think it was, you watched that instead of the I watched, game. Yeah, I was right? watching that instead No, instead of the, the Blues game. Blues last game, night, Last right. night, last oh. night. Uh, well, we're recording this and it's going to be out later. But it was the... Uh, Oh, no. Who was it? New York City FC. Yeah, Eastern and, Conference semifinals. And yeah. New York Revolution. Revs. Re- New England Revolution. New England Revolution. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, Revs and New York City. And it was a heck mm-hmm. of a game. It was one-to-one after 10 minutes. And then it was just a lot of back and forth. I mean, we, we talked about it. We talked about playoffs and kind of our predictions last in last week's episode. And you guys called it. You said Bruce Arena and a good team choking. And that's exactly what happened. Because yeah. they... They did not. I mean, New York City ran the game. They they had so many chances. They were controlling the whole game, and it went. I mean, it, it ended up one to one full time, and then in overtime, City went up, and then also got a red card, went down a man, and then they they also had a man. Like it looked like he pulled his hamstring because the dude, their right back, I don't know names, their right back could not walk. He was like hobbling around. But they were already down a man. They didn't have any subs, so they couldn't change him out. And he's just hobbling around for the last like five minutes. And then New England scores. Oh. Ties the shootouts. Is that Tavon Gray? He's like a young. Yes. Yeah, yeah it was him. Yeah. Uh, it was it was man. nuts game. <laughs> How was Matt Turner? This is USMNT talk here. He did not block a penalty, and I know that's like what everyone. You go. You're going to PKs with Matt Turner. People are thinking Reds. Yeah, they pulled it off. They're they're gonna they're gonna win this because we're going to PKs. Mm-hmm. Um. But he did not stop a single one. But did he? Oh, he didn't stop a single one. But did he do anything like absolutely wrong or idiotic? Doesn't sound like it. No, I mean not in the penalties. No, it, it, there's a lot of good shots. I mean, no, not not he, he, the goal wasn't his fault, and it was one to one whole the whole game. The last oh. goal, I, I don't remember the 
the New York City's second goal, but it wasn't like any big mistakes on his part. I don't even think I, the first, I saw the first goal. I don't think that mm. was his fault. Either. No, it was the defense. It, they were they had so many chances. So he had, um, I mean he he had some big saves. Um, so it wasn't on him. Mm-hmm. It, it was just New York City was running the game. Yeah, and now well, they might get a MLS Cup in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Just I also like called. Stu was talking about. Mm-hmm. I also called Sporting choking, and it happened. You did. I said I, I would want them. I would want Sporting to win a, like a, one final cup before I'm like fully immersed in pink. Yeah, and, I would. And too. They lost. They played terrible. They got steamrolled by the league-owned RSL. Now, I so my other team was Timbers in this, Timbers in this fight. So uh, and now they're playing Real Salt Lake. So I'm hoping Timbers can still pull off. Wow, it's gonna we'll be see. it's gonna be RSL NYCFC in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Because why not? Who else is left in the East? NYC and... Philly. 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 It's going to be Philly. Philly should win. It's going to be Philly. But that went to penalties too, so mm-hmm. who knows. All right, boys. I think we did a, a good job here. Um, if I were to say so myself, I've enjoyed it at the very least, so thanks for chatting with me. That's it for today, and maybe a show next week after another slew game. Maybe one in two weeks. We'll see. Hopefully good news. Oh. Slew Saturday night. Um, the game is Saturday at 7 p.m. and there's a watch party at Amsterdam Tavern. Just oh, throwing it out there. Very nice. Jake will be there. You can meet him. I think I will be there. There you go. Nice. Just look for the guy with the mustache. <laughs> Can't miss that's him. Usually, that's usually the thing you can see. All right, man. Uh, thanks everybody for chatting and thanks everyone for listening. Talk to you soon. <laughs>